For too many years, we've been told to show the horse who's boss, use gadgets, and ride two and three-year-olds. We're expected to follow fashionable trends, like riding behind the vertical or with your horse's nose on the ground, and put our short-term performance goals before the long-term health of our horse. This sounds crazy to me, because we're forgetting all about the horse. In this show, you'll learn why groundwork, lateral movements, liberty work, and pole work are so important in your training program. Plus, how to build lightness and softness in the saddle by recognizing the try and building confidence in both horse and rider. We know that horses are only physically mature at five and a half years of age at the earliest. We believe that collection is not a head position. We know that older horses are not disposable. Walking 100 miles on foot is amazing to build that connection together and that bitless bridles, California hackamores, bosal and macates can be really useful. We never place competition goals above our horse's health and we know that self-carriage means that the horse does it by himself. We take as long as it takes and we understand the importance of working slowly with the horse to build connection, trust and partnership together and we aim to always put the horse's mental, physical and emotional needs first. So I promise to share all my horsemanship strategies with you. Sounds good? I'm your host, Elaine Heaney, creator of the Listening to the Horse documentary. Let's get this show started. When I was growing up, I loved ponies and horses because once you get the horse bug, well, that's it. You probably know what I'm talking about. Now, most people in Ireland, we love jumping. Jumping anything, I'm talking. Show jumping, cross country, fun rides with lots of jumps, weekly show jumping leagues, it's all good fun. Now, I like jumping too, but there was one thing that really fascinated me. So when I was growing up, every couple of years, my dad would buy a young horse at the sales who had never been started, never been backed, never been ridden. And over the next three or four years, he would work with them quietly. He would introduce them to their first saddle, their first bridle, the first time to have a rider, and then the first ride. And then once they were riding, he would get them out and about and build up their confidence. And then when these horses were about seven or eight years of age, they were amazing. They were just happy, well-mannered, confident, relaxed, beautiful riding horses. And then his job would be done. And so the horse would be sold to a lucky rider and he would go back to the sales and buy the next horse that he would work on again for three or four years. Now, I was totally fascinated by the process. It seemed like magic to me. How on earth could you communicate in such a way with such a large animal and build trust and confidence and teach the horse to be a beautiful riding horse. But to do this with a horse who'd never even been ridden before, who'd never seen a saddle, who'd never had anything done to him before. It was literally like a magical process to me. And I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. The whole idea of building a partnership with the horse, it just fascinated me as a kid. And as I progressed through riding over the years as I was growing up, I really wanted to have that strong relationship and to combine it with riding an incredible riding horse. Like I wanted to do dressage movements without pulling on my horse. I wanted to have lightness and softness between the horse and I wanted to feel like I completely understood my horse and he completely understood me. And I wanted to not only ride my horse, but I wanted it to look beautiful, like an effortless dance, like something you'd seen in a movie. But unfortunately, that's not really what I was able to achieve as I was growing up. I was more of a middle of the road kind of rider. So yes, I loved my horse and we had tons of fun together. And my horse was confident and healthy and happy. 
But no, I wasn't being picked for dressage teams, or I wasn't floating across side passing in the fields. In terms of my skills at the time, I was just ordinary. I could walk, trot, canter, jump, but that was about it. Like, honestly, lots of other kids in Ireland who rode ponies. But I dreamed of more, and I kind of blamed myself. I thought that I, I just wasn't naturally talented enough. Because obviously, in order to be some type of amazing rider, you need some very rare type of gene that I just didn't have. And it was only later that I realized that the real problem was that I didn't have the right teachers. So after my first trip to Australia, I started to fly over to England on a regular basis to watch clinics by a guy called Steve Halfpenny. Now, I'd never heard of him, or I'd never seen any videos of him online or anything like that, but a few friends of mine had recommended him and said it would be worth going over to watch a clinic for a weekend. Now, they were really good horse people, so I trusted their advice, and I booked a return flight from Dublin to Gatwick Airport with Ryanair, and off I went. I remember the first time driving in my little hire car, down the massive motorways in, in outside Gatwick going oh my god please I hope I make it and then once you get off the motorways then I was on the tiniest little roads like roads that would only fit one car but yet there was a car coming against you like oh this isn't going to go well anyway a lot of drama I eventually got there arrived at at the clinic that Steve was teaching at and it was in Mayfield in in East Sussex I think it is and it was amazing I, I, don't, I don't really know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting what I saw. It was beautiful. So it was, it was, it was an arena, an outdoor arena, and there was probably, I think they had two groups of riders, so there was maybe about five riders in each group, and it was just, it was beautiful. What I saw was amazing. So the people, first of all, were so friendly. I knew nobody. I'd never met these people before in my life. They are really friendly, and the clinic was so peaceful. Like the riders, they're all just smiling and having fun and the horses looked like really happy and confident. But what really amazed me was the lightness and the softness that I saw in every horse and rider. And it was mesmerizing to watch them. So I went home, like totally inspired. <laughs> and over the next few years, like honestly, any opportunity, I had to fly back over to England and, and watch more clinics off I went. I probably spent like a lot of money on minor flights going over and back the whole time. And it was during this process that I realized that the reason I hadn't been able to reach my goals in the past, it wasn't because I wasn't smart enough or I didn't have the right horse or I wasn't born with some amazing talent that you need. What I saw at those clinics in the south of England is that normal horse riders like me with normal horses like thoroughbreds and quarter horses and Arabs and cobs can build extraordinary partnerships with their horses when they find the right teacher who can help them. And this was a huge moment for me. Literally a whole new world opened up for me. And, and through going to, like, to those clinics, I was lucky enough to find a community of people who believed in treating horses with kindness and patience just like I did. One downside to having a slightly different approach to horsemanship than most people do is that sometimes it can feel lonely. So I was really happy to finally find a community of people who thought like I did. And that's why once the Listening to the Horse documentary launched, I decided to set up a whole online community of people from all over the world who also share the Listening to the Horse principles. And you are completely welcome to join and meet everyone. So if you open up your laptop or phone and type in 
starthorselistening.com. You'll be able to join our group and meet everyone. And we've got folks literally from all over the world, from Canada and the US and the UK and Europe, right down to Australia and New Zealand. In the next episode, I want to share the number one issue I see with horses and horse riders today and how I fix this in my two horses, Ozzy and Matilda. So I'll talk to you then.